If your project is very clear, you will manage to find funding even if the macroeconomic environment is difficult. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Welcome to today's show. It is the 500th episode. Uh, I'm joined by Thomas Vosper, uh, founder of Isle 3. And as ever, we've got a quiche on the line as well. How are you both? Uh, great. Yeah, great. Uh, tired after being at Web Summit last week, but um, yeah, fantastic to be back in London. Yeah, I wasn't at Web Summit. That's a that's a touchy subject with me, Thomas. So uh, yeah, you probably you're probably tired from staying up watching cricket. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching a lot of cricket. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I, I was actually talking to someone in the office, and I said um, I was about to say three hours, and I said three overs, and he just looked at me and was like, "What?" Um, so yeah. <laughs> Different priorities, different priorities. Uh, I say this is our 500th show. Uh, It's not, it's actually closer to 600, but we're going off Spotify where we started because we changed feeds in the early days. Uh, All the old episodes are available online, but not on our Spotify feed, which started about August 2018. And then I realised that actually, according to Spotify, this is 502, so we're two two shows late. Okay, well, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. There are literally literally billion-dollar businesses around the planet that have have got to where they are with uh, with that philosophy. We're, we're going with this being show 500, whether it is or it isn't. And <laughs> and we'll arbitrarily have a party and a refresh. And we've got brand new theme music and all sorts. So, you know, that's nice. Um, everything else to one side. Who are R3? Uh, so R3 is an AI ML business that uh, pretends to be a sneaker retailer, uh, which has actually got the largest selection of sneakers in the UK on our site. We kind of do that journey that you used to, that you, you are used to doing, which is searching on Google and right-clicking on all the different links and opening up all those different websites to check the prices and then make a purchase. We can crawl those and pull those all into one single view under one checkout. It's pretty cool. So basically, I, I have one pair of trainers that I always buy on repeat and renew every six months. And apart from that, I buy lots of running trainers. But Akish is far more fashionable than me. So R3 is probably more up his street. Well, not to say that it's not on my street because I do like trainers, but I have one particular pair that I buy because I'm very unimaginative. Stan Smith. <laughs> I imagine Keish has a few. Stan Smith. Yeah, he, 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 lo- yeah, he loves a pair of Adidas Stan Smiths. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry. It's kind of my, my gimmick. I, you know, I wear the same pair of shoes every single day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got quite a few. But yeah, you, you, you go through phases, don't you? Like, I'm not I'm not a sneakerhead, as they like to, uh, like to be called. But... You know, you go through phases and stuff. And um, and also now you've got a bit more purpose with trainers because, you know, with the post-COVID world, um, they've somewhat become acceptable in the office. Um, you know, so the uh, the churches and the lokes have, uh, have have seen retirement days, actually, in the old cupboard, to be honest. Um, and now the, the Nikes and New Balances are getting more of a run out. So, yeah. That's true. I don't think I've got my churches out of the wardrobe since before the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There we are. Right. We mentioned that we were at Web Summit. Today's show is a celebration of that. We've got two interviews. Uh, Claire, Chief Innovation Officer of SockGen, and we've got another one to play, Tim Chase and Gilberto Silva, co-founders of Striver. We'll play the interview with Claire, first of all, from SockGen. We'll come back with some commentary afterwards, and we'll have a little bit of a chat about Striver as well. All right, talking to Claire. How are you? I'm good. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. You can tell that you've had a few talks at Web Summit. I have a few talks, and I have a four-month baby. For the laryngitis, and I had to hold him before the Red Summit. And you know, I'm a member of three, and he gave it to me. Well, I can only 
thank you even more if that's the case for giving up some time to talk a little bit further. But look, set some context. You're the chief innovation officer at Societe Generale. Exactly. Uh, based in... I, Paris. Well, I was going to hazard Paris. I was going to say France and play it safe, but Paris. Um, and you're here to have done a number of talks, one on the main stage. What, what else have you done whilst here? So uh, it's been seven years. Yeah. I'm going to Web Summit. And um, this year I was talking on the MoneyConf talk about can banks compete with fintechs. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I was talking uh, in a round table around the crypto and financial institution, around what are the offers that Societe Generale built today. It was very interesting because some people in the round table had been participating in the European regulation around MICA and everything. So we had quite a hard debated challenge, actually. So I'd assume that you'd say that banks, of course, can compete with fintechs. But <laughs> I suppose the interesting question is how? How? Um, you know, my job was created four years ago, reporting into the CEO. Uh, and now in general, general management. And I think one of the key things is innovation department cannot, it's not the job of the innovation department. Innovation should be everywhere. Innovation is one of the four values of Societe Generale, which means that all our 130,000 employees across the world are recruited with this value. It's part of our um, evaluation each year. It's part of everything that we do. And, uh, you know, after you drive the governance, you filter guess, you know, it's like anything. You just need to drive PNL and need to drive efficiency for the consumer. Innovation is something that's always on the agenda for, for conferences is like it? this. Is yeah, it? I think I would say so. But sometimes people roll their eyes because I think they, th- they feel that it's overtalked. Or maybe it's because they don't get the success that they would have hoped. I mean, what, what do you think the general pitfalls are for organizations where innovation goes wrong? I mean, I think it's like digital transformation. You know, there is this famous quote from a CFO saying half of the investment going in digital transformation is not delivering results. I hope I'm getting the right half (laughs) and not the wrong one. Um, You know, part of my job when I arrived is you start from a very good IT transformation, but it's, it's much owned by the IT department and people and boards want to understand what is the PNL value that is driven? You know, how is it transforming the business model? So you're willing to, you know, stick your nose with the finance department and with the HR department in how we're transforming our workforce, what type of the leaders do we need in order to do this transformation? And now we have the ESG transformation on top of that and really work with finance around, you know, we really created a cockpit of, of how this IT technology transformation, how is it harnessed? How does it drive PNL? And today, honestly, all the reports are done by the finance department, not by the innovation department. And that is success. But it, it, it really requires the support of the CEO of the bank, but also the CEO of all the areas. So, and if I'm more concrete, you know, we, we set up a business model around digital assets and security token. And at the beginning, this startup that was funded by entrepreneurs in Societe Générale was within the innovation division and I worked with a sponsor with the head of the CIB uh, to make sure the head of capital markets the head of global advisory the head of security services are now in the board and actually we transferred the startups to capital markets and they are owning the development of it we're entering or maybe not entering, but we're in a period of significant global turbulence. Um, finances, household finances being squeezed, um, corporate finances being scrutinised. 
What do you think the key messages for your community are in terms of startups that you're working with, in terms of founders, in terms of people in fintech, and in terms of legacy banking to make sure that you're providing the services that, that people and, and, and businesses, your customers are looking for? I guess there are two sides of your answer. first one is a very client business one. So, you know, if you look at, of course, your valuation are readjusting. But if you look at the equity that is still raised, it's still important. It's still there. And with the corporate venture arms that we have, we have made as many deals this year than we were doing last year. So for us, business is continuing, but the ZVC is a bit lower than a traditional VC. In terms of depth, you know, we are still financing projects that have legs for our clients. You know, at 3 to 5% traditional debt, we are not financing bridge toward your next raise. We are really financing real projects and it has always been so it's still there. There are other ways that you can have debt through venture loan. We don't offer that, but they exist on the market. So for me, if your project is very clear, you will manage to find fundings even if the macroeconomic environment is difficult. The second part of my community is the other corporate innovation arms, you know, the other corporate. And that's clear that when you have a macroeconomic environment, which is difficult, yes, of course, innovations are to not be at the top of the agenda because organizations tend to go towards cost reduction, cost efficiency, and etc. I think you have to be very resilient. And also, you know, for me, the type of platform I build in organization always need to go in the business. I always consider my job is done when the innovation department don't exist anymore. So I think to some extent, it's also an occasion to say, to reinvent yourself, to say, is this thing working? Or should I actually shut it down and should I focus more? You know, what I say in this period is just focus on the area where I have less project, but just make sure they have a real impact in your organization and take this opportunity also to you know, put your talent of your team maybe in business unit directly, you know, spread the innovation everywhere because it's a good timing to do it. So last question. You said that you've been at um, Web Summit for, for seven years. So, or seven, seven, seven occasions. Seven years, yeah. You're obviously uh, someone who enjoys it, but I imagine there's, there's an element of it. You kind of, you know the event quite well. What's new? What's interesting you kind of coming here and listening to other people talking? You know, I remember... Seven years ago, there was this very small startup, Revolet, <laughs> Starling Bank, uh, you know, Currency Clyde that have been sold 800 million to Visa. They were just, you know, very small startups. Like you can see the one in the booth and in the stand and everything. And now what? We are in Central Stage talking about the disruption of financial services. People can be very proud of our European ecosystem. We can be very proud of them. They are driving the disruption. They are setting the bar for customer experience. So I'm looking for the inspiration. I'm here also to support them, to support the ecosystem. I think it's very important. Europe is a very strong pipeline of leaders that we have investment coming from all across the world, including American investments coming in Europe to really make sure, you know, tomorrow we have giants powering the European economy. So, and as a banker, it's super important that tomorrow they are my client, of course. Absolutely. Well, look, I really appreciate you You're giving up some time, especially as your voice is, is feeling the strain, perhaps, of, uh, of a small child and an event. So thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rest of your time in Lisbon. Thank you, David. All right, Thomas, um, being a founder, um, listening to Claire talking there, e equity is there in the market. 
corporate venture, safer bet than VCs, and not just a bridge to the next raise. I just wondered, you must have had some views listening to that kind of going, yeah, all right, I agree with X, but maybe disagree with Y. Yeah, firstly, I thought Claire did a fantastic job with her voice was clearly going, and I, and I definitely know what that feeling was like. You know, uh, yeah. an arena that's got 70,000 people in, and you're kind of trying to talk to most of those people, and then all the stands kind of turn over on a daily basis because they've got, you know, every startup only gets a day there. Uh, it was, yeah, she did an absolutely fantastic job. I thought it was really interesting. She definitely challenged you around like innovation because actually, like, and it's really innovation's often a buzzword. And you know, you think about businesses now that you know they almost have like innovation departments or spin it under IT and then they only focus on on innovation, but that doesn't always that means that they leave a lot of the basics. So I thought it was quite interesting how she kind of tied quite well like innovation and thinking about that like as a business-wide initiative. And also that there was a commercial benefit for the business. And then that kind of tied into the thesis quite well in terms of their investment. It is interesting. I, you know, I, I, as a founder, I've spoken often to corp development businesses. We've been approached several times, whether they were phishing exercises or genuine M&A acquisition conversations, I guess we'll never know. But I, I did, I, I appreciated and understood the stance that Claire talked about, about not looking for like that bridge to the next level, but actually just saying that, do you fit like our innovation thesis? Do you fit what we're trying to do? Can you fit within an organization? And then can we just like fund the whole thing and give you like the runway and the headspace to go and solve this problem within a larger organization? I thought that was, I thought that was pretty smart. Gage finance and banking, it's your world. Fintech's your world. I mean, surely listening to that, there's plenty that you can see in, amongst our clients closer to the home. Yeah, there is. There is. And I, and I think um, some clients share actually the, the same point of view as her, really. And it was a lot of, you know, it was some good, um, good kind of thought-provoking opinions that she had. And, you know, kind of in terms of when it comes to raising capital, when it comes to kind of, you know, businesses looking to kind of get to that next level or whether you're a startup looking to scale up you know there are kind of various challenges but also avenues that she kind of mentioned and 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 i agree with it but also there's an element of uncertainty right as as tom just kind of mentioned when these conversations happen or initial kind of meetings transaction whatever right and and there's an element of uncertainty that you actually don't know what is going to happen and it's about you know kind of taking a bit of a gamble taking a risk don't know what that risk would look like coming into the next kind of year or two, um, especially in, in kind of the UK or, or with the economy, but effectively, I, I think around the world as well. But yeah, I, th- I think she said that equity is there and she, she said depth is there, I think was the exact wording that she used. Mm. Depth in the market, which was kind of an interesting way of describing it. Yeah, it was. It was, um, I suppose, because the premise was whether banks can compete with fintechs because fintechs yeah. were like, well, like, forget fintech right just switch switch out fintech for startups startups in general are more nimble that's the whole point of a startup that's what they're supposed to be and so it was quite interesting and and it's it's hard without knowing the exact details as to how uh like their corporate venture corporate development department would work 
Um, but you do wonder sometimes for many businesses that are raising money right now or at any time, you know, often an, a relevant angel who's maybe been an exited operator, like they can write bigger checks, you think, sometimes than some of the maybe the corporate organizations or VCs that probably go through, you know, a different level of due diligence. And I, and I say different, not better, not worse, because it's different because it's someone else's money or a corporate's money and that corporate is a listed business there's just a different process than speaking to someone who might write a larger check because they've been there done it before they can identify where your weaknesses are and where they can help and can see your strengths the the, the floor of web summit is often a a bare pit of of, of startups looking for investment and hoping for investment. That's one of the reasons a lot of people go. She mentioned they're proud of the European ecosystem, the likes of Revolut and Stalinback attracting American investment. Is that something you saw? Is that something you got the feeling of? that they're, they're, We do have the investor lounges at, at, at Web Summit, but was there money coming in from the other side of the Atlantic or was it predominantly European? Well, there was a lot European? of people walking around in gilets, so I think that there was a strong investor <laughs> presence, uh, even, even on the warm days as well in Lisbon. Gilet's so, uh, is not necessarily indicative of the states, though, right? Yeah. Or are we saying that kind of that very preppy uh, collegiate I look? No, look, I, I, I could be Oxford. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a white guy with a beard, some tattoos, and a hoodie. I also fit the stereotype of a tech startup founder. So, you know, I, I do. You know, I, I jest. And um, I, I like so. I, I found Web Summit really interesting to speak to some of the investors, even if they were on slightly different sectors or investing in different areas like a lot of the side events around web summit meant that you could have those very uh, non-pitchy really open conversations i found you know i found those very useful they definitely gave me a lot of insight to think about our business even if that individual wasn't necessarily and i met people on the plane um you know, some of the stands where you'd got the big hubs from like Brazil. And then um, I was particularly impressed with the Dubai Future Fund. I thought they were, um, they came across really well. So there's definitely lots of um, activity outside of like specifically for what I see, like the UK bubble and all all, yeah, actually all of the real inbound serious contact i've had since web summit has been people messaging me from outside of the uk as investors and some big us funds like the, the fact that the pounds tanked against a dollar might make a difference right i mean what was mm. put a dollar in put two dollars in to get a pound's worth of investment and in equity in the uk startup is now you know one for one no i hadn't really thought of that dynamic if i'm perfectly honest which i suppose is a positive thing perhaps for british startups I would like to think so, especially British startups where um, it's a, you know, it requires the funding of the sort of the big vision and the big backing that Silicon Valley, you know, has made its name around. And, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely, like we, we have US backers and I don't think that's a coincidence that now other US investors reach out to us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we've got another interview something slightly different from Web Summit to showcase its breadth of uh, content. Here at Tech Talks, we're very lucky to have a lot of content and sometimes we're not entirely sure what to do with it. 
For example, when we go to a conference, we will quite regularly meet 15 or 20 people and not know how to get them all on the show. So we've created something new, Tech Talks Extra, for those snippets from conference floors or from one-off events that we don't quite know how to fit into your regular Tuesday show. Tech Talks Extra is free. It's on a private RSS, so you do need to sign up for it and subscribe. But as I say, it's free and all you need to do is hand over your email address and in return, we'll give you instructions of how to access all of that additional content. To get instructions and to sign up to the show so you can play it on Apple and Google podcast players, all you need to do is go to www.nashsquared.com forward slash the hyphen hub forward slash tech hyphen talks hyphen extra hyphen sign up hyphen form. Alternatively, have a look at the link in the show notes. Probably a bit of an easier way to do it. Don't miss out on all the bonus content that we've got from the likes of Web Summit, Unleash World, or from any internal events that we're running. Right, welcome back. We'll play the next interview. It's with the co-founders of Striver, Tim Chase, and a, a gentleman you might have heard of if you're a football fan by the name of Gilberto Silva. So I'm chatting to Tim Chase and Gilberto Silva of Striver. How are you both? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Enjoying Web Summit? We are. It's been a busy day. So it's our second year. Uh, it's been interesting. The talk went quite well. We were with Emma Jones on the sports sports trade desk talking about yeah. our new platform that's coming out soon. Um, and then meeting people like you who want to talk to us. It's been really entertaining. Really good. I'll be perfectly honest. Whenever I see former sports professionals talking at a tech conference, I go, well, why? So let's, let's start with that. What is Striver? Why are you here? The reason is well, when me and Tim you know, start to talk and then he mentioned to me about the platform, how, how does it work and how he came out with this idea to set up the platform to help out, you know, the kids where they can use technology but be in a safe place. Whereas, you know, as we call it, Strive is like a safe place where you can uh, engage with, um, with football fans, with your friends, with your idols without being abused. And uh, this, you know, when he mentioned to me, listen, I have my son, I'm a single dad. I became a single dad, I want, I, I want to create something where he could interact with the world without I'm being worried about it. When he said that, we know mention about his, his boy, his, his son. And because this is about family, I got kids. And I said, wow, this makes sense. Let's uh, see how I can, I can help you out. And this, you know, so it's, it's fan engagement and creating a, creating a safe space. Mm. Are you going directly to fans? Are you going through football clubs? How are you getting the name out there? How are you building those communities? Great question. So it's a mixture of, every, a mixture of both. So we, ha- we wanted to have... Um, so, so the platform is it's totally impossible to abuse people on it. So every con- piece of content is moderated. Every con- comment is moderated. And uh, the next version of the app, you'll have to scan your face. So there'll be no anonymity. So um, that's the first thing it is. But also... That's just the first part of the app. There's actually so much more for fans to gain from being on our platform. Um, so because of that, and the anti-abuse, the engagement they're gonna get, because everyone who uploads content to the platform or responds to their hero, whether it's Gilberto Silva or Neymar or Arsenal or whoever, because every piece of comment and every response to your video, or to your, back to your fans' video, is moderated. You know you can look at it safely and go, there's gonna be no abuse here. Because what happens in social media at the moment is, athletes post and ghost which means they post it because they have to on social media contractually or because they want to show off and then they just leave they don't look at the comments social media was created to connect people 
does the exact opposite at the moment. So our platform, because every single person put comment on there is going to be, could disagree with you, but it's not going to be abusive. So that means that players are now going to engage with their, their, everyone on our platform because they're not going to be abusive. So the first people that we're launching with, we wanted to launch with three, three clubs or organizations, one player, one media organization or brand, and one club. We've now got nearly 200 people that want to launch with us, purely on the, the anti-abuse side of things and the better way of engaging with your fans. So this is a good example of what happens with the platform. Who do you support? I support Newcastle. Newcastle. Doing quite well at the moment. We, we are, well. yeah, we're not doing too bad. We've got a couple of good Brazilians in midfield. This there you go. That's <laughs> it. Everyone loves a Brazilian. Um, we'll wait to use that for a while. Um, so let's say Newcastle, um, they put out, they're either the manager or one of the players or the club put out saying, right, for 10 games into the season, what do you think about this season? Yeah. Now, if you do that on Twitter, imagine the toxic response you're going to get. It's going to be ridiculous. On our platform, because you'll be, you'll be verified of who you are, and you've got every piece of content or comment is moderated. You can see that video, click respond, upload a video of yourself saying something thoughtful and insightful, saying, but you know what? It's 10 games in. I think we've had a great start. I'm concerned about us losing Gutier Gutierrez, is it? Gutierrez? Uh, Bruno. Yeah, Bruno. Hey, Bruno. Gamerez. Thank you. I can't say. How, Gilberto, how do you say his surname properly? Gimarens. There we go. It's nearly <laughs> what you said. Um, <laughs> That's kind of taken away from what I was trying to say. But um, so he, he, he said, you know what, but I think we could lose him in the summer transfer window. We need to, we need to, we need to build by when the transfer window. And I think we've got, going to do really well. So a thoughtful response, right? Yeah. Because there's no abuse, our, Newcastle will be checking, all the player will be checking the response and saying, right, let's have a look through and see what we've got here. Well, David's response is actually really intelligent. I really quite like that. Well, on our platform, it's called Feature. So you click, they click one button which says Feature. You get a notification saying, David, unbelievable news, mate. Newcastle just featured you. You go, what the fuck? That's amazing. Click on the video and it's your video in their feed. Yeah. So automatically as a fan, you feel amazing because the club you love has listened to what you said and, and likes it, right? But it also means that everyone else who follows Newcastle gets a notification yeah. saying David Savage has just been shared, has just been featured by Newcastle. Check out his content. So all the other Newcastle fans click on your click on the notification, watch your video, now engage with your post. So now you're engaged with Newcastle fans. And you can now feature one of the responses, or Newcastle can feature one of the responses to that to your video. So now you can be putting this huge network and huge web of conversational fans, like-minded fans, communicating with each other. And Newcastle have done one video, and I've got thousands of pieces of content from it. Honestly, what's the appetite from players to engage on social platforms at the moment? Do you think? Because if we go back to, to the Euros, um, the, the men's Euros final, where there was a torrent of awful abuse directed at three English players when they miss penalties. It must put players off. And at the end of the day, you're, you're a football fan, right? You, you started playing football because you love football. It must be yeah. really challenging when that's the environment. But when I was coming to the end of my career, social media uh, platform became quite usual for, for players. I didn't have much problem. But um, I, I have friends, they, they suffered with that. You see, you just mentioned the English players. Many other players, ex-players, they suffer about uh, being uh, abused on this platform. And I do uh, some work, I work with Fred from Manchester United. He suffered quite a lot. We have to, uh, to, uh, to speak to the club, find a way how we could uh, help him out to block this kind of uh, situation. Me and Tin, we spoke about, we spoke to the club and it uh, seems that things work quite well.
but it, not exactly with the, our our platform. Just they find a way how could help it. And um, for me, I think um, what drives me is uh, the importance of it. Because listen, it's not fair when you you don't don't play well as a football player, and uh, or you make a mistake being a human. And the people feel they're right because they are upset because of the team loss, or maybe they are not even a fan and go and attack you on your own space. Yeah. It's like somebody, uh, you, they don't agree what you say about your opinion, they go into your house and uh, abuse you, attacking you somehow. This is what those people do because they're anonymous. They don't. Uh, we cannot track them, we cannot find them where they are. And um, not accountability has been taken to, to stop this kind of thing. And that when more we talk, more we have seen this kind of situation happen, we knew that we, listen, I think we are, we are doing things the right way because first we believe, first we, apart from that, we want our kids to be in a safe environment where they can interact with people in general but without being abused, they can express, people can have different opinions, but respect somebody's opinion. This is the point. Because, we, okay, I can have a different opinion of you, it's not a problem, but I have to respect it. And as a next uh, former player, see what those players face nowadays with social media, can be good when you win, or when you lose, they, they hide, they don't want to talk, they don't want to express. I think, my opinion sometimes is wrong what they do because they the opportunity they use their own platform to speak for themselves. Don't let people speak to them. I think this is what I encourage uh, the players are, you know, uh, to, to talk. I encourage friends to do this, but I know it's hard. I speak to other players. I know it's hard for them because when you lose, the, the people can make confused. Okay, we lost the game because we have a lot of bad judgment when you interact. In your social media, but if you don't interact with social media, what's the difference when journalists want to talk to you and then you have to go through the result about the mistakes you made about the game did not went well? There's no difference. The difference because you are use your own channel. Come on, you have the rights. I appreciate your time. I know you've had a long day. You've been on a panel. You've got wine. You've had an investment meeting where there's more wine. I think. I think we'll leave you there. One last quick question. Are Arsenal really in the title race? I'll piss off. No, they are in a, they are doing well. I think this is, is great. And uh, as you know, in every competition you have to be very consistent. The Premier League shows yeah. that, you know, they, but they are doing well. This is very important. I hope they keep in it. It's a lot of challenge. But, it's uh, great for the Premier League to see yeah, a, bit of, a bit of competition. Very good. Really appreciate your time. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your conference. Thank you. Thomas, are you a football fan? Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, Not Arsenal, are you? Uh, no, no. I'm one of those football fans who has a season ticket at my local club. About 140 oh, nice. people go there every single week. They're called Northwood, playing about the ninth, 10th. They're so far down, I don't even know where it is. And my season ticket costs about as much money as one ticket to Arsenal. And 80% of that <laughs> ticket's a charitable donation. Oh, lovely. Well, at least it's not Dulwich Hamlet, which is a social event where no one actually watches football. That's my local, um, actually. Is it? 
I've been very to, strange, very get, strange match day experience. Get, get, get your keys out of the corner, you know, because it's a it's a key moment apparently. Uh, that's that's how it works. <laughs> so literally, every time there's a corner, you just go. All sound. It all looks a bit weird, um, but yeah, it's a very strange experience. But no, Northwood and I. Right, okay, fair. No, I've been to plenty of non-league football. I can totally empathise with that. I spent quite a lot of time watching Richmond and uh, Hampton when I lived in West London, so fair play. Um, I suppose the one thing that those those players don't have to deal with is abuse on social. And look, I, I picked this because it's a wider piece around social and the internet. Um, and the fact, you know, I think Tim talks about the fact that social media was created to connect but does the opposite at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. What, what do we think about this, Akish? What do you think about this interview? Um, firstly, I, I really liked it as a as a as a football fan and a social media like user. I, I think everything he said resonates really well, and um, I, I think having a platform where you can interact but also not be um, anonymous, I think it breaks down it breaks down a lot of abuse, a lot of online bullying, a lot of online hate. But also it, it actually provides a safe platform where you can have conversations, build connections. I mean, you and Tom were talking about these investors and stuff at Web Summit, right, earlier on. And and that's interaction, right? That's good quality conversation, whether or not something happens from there. But it's still, you know, a connection that you can make. And I think social media allows you to do that very quickly as compared to boarding a flight, going to Lisbon, walking around, talking to people. And, and I think having a platform where you can do that it 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 would um it would almost promote the right behaviors because i think at the moment you know some of the stuff like and look the biggest thing and you kind of alluded to it again football related but the racism that came out of the back of the euros last year um you, you know it was it was it was weird and me and you had this conversation i think two days or maybe a day after the euros and I knew every time a player missed a penalty and they were a black player i was like this is going to go you know, this is going to go downhill very, very quickly. And lo and behold, you know, I remember listening to the radio in the morning, um, the, the morning after, and, and, you know, they were talking about the kind of racial abuse and all these sorts of things. So I think it's great. I think it allows people to have good organic connections. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just a great platform. And, and it's sad, man. It is very, very sad, um, you, you know, to see like players go through that because like I think Gilberto said um also I never thought growing up I, I watched him play football I never thought I'd be on a podcast where I'd be saying oh Gilberto Silva said this and uh, this is what I thought of it um that's, that's surreal anyway but um but like he said you know it's like people coming into your house and like you know actually attacking you because you're coming into their personal space um and and it, yeah it just doesn't promote the right things um, but I think platforms grow. It feels very topical right now as well, right? Because of what's going on with Twitter and Elon Musk. And then also, I suppose, to an extent with Meta, um, there's been accusations that Zuckerberg has kind of taken his eye off the ball with regards to um, WhatsApp and Instagram. So mm. I, I suppose having platforms where there is uh, the ability for people to listen to each other uh, and for it to be a positive experience and it to be moderated is is really really on trend with what we need yeah there was a lot to dissect within that interview and parts of that are around the business the business model and whether anyone like will engage because that's going to be the key right whether you take people off other platforms and engage and then you're right there's a wider discussion to be had around social and i don't mean to make this sound flippant but 
you know, like when we created a business as a shopping business, we knew that there was a social element for people to share their recommendations because we think, a, you know, a vote from a friend is worth, you know, a thousand of those anonymous reviews. So even when it's just products and it's reviews, there is a whole cesspool of like fake and incentivized reviews. So when you then put that into like emotions and um, like stuff that people are really passionate about in sport, like, you know, I like I tell my kids on YouTube, like just don't ever look at the comments. It doesn't matter. Never ever look at the comments under a YouTube video. Like there's no point. And it's also anonymized and it is quite topical at the moment. I think it's BS that like you can get a pay for a blue tick to be verified on Twitter. Like that's not verified. I actually take exception to the fact that our Instagram account, every time we run competitions gets um, duplicated with someone that then sends someone else off to a fake looking site and asks for them to put their credit card details in. And despite the fact I keep telling this to Instagram, Apparently, I'm not famous enough to be verified. I think that we should be verified by default. I thought it was pretty smart, like the, the way that they talked about like technology where like you, you scan your face. But I think this stuff's important. And, and there is a, like a moral question that we have to ask each other. Like, I understand like the internet's supposed to be open. It's, it's supposed to be free. Being anonymous makes a lot of stuff a lot easier. And there's probably times when you should be anonymous. But I'm pretty sure that most people don't say the stuff that was said to those black footballers that missed penalties face to face. You know, LinkedIn at times can be pretty toxic, but there's no way that LinkedIn, when it is you potentially getting a, a tap on your shoulder by your employer that says, no, no, that's not that's not what we agree with. That's not what you do. That's at least put some sort of limit on stuff compared to the to everything that you see in anywhere else on Twitter, Facebook, or any other socials. So there's a wider thing that I really like that these guys were tackling. I mean, the default the default in society is for us not to be anonymous. I don't know why it's different on the internet. It should be that the default is not to be anonymous. There are safe spaces in physical life where you can go and seek help for something where it might be a, a sensitive t- subject yes. where you've got the right to... Be. Like, why is that not just oh, the same behaviour online? Yeah, can, we, can we bust the myth that you're anonymous, by the way? Because you literally pick up your phone and open, it with, your, open it with your face and really, like, you're unless you really try and be really hidden, like, your history is everywhere, you know? Like, it's, it's the old joke, like, you know, like, a, like the, the defence your honour would like to present the... Uh, like the defendant's internet browsing history. And at that point, they go, no, it's fine. I'll just plead guilty. Well, you drop your phone to the bottom of the North Sea. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Ter- terrible. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca Vardy color. <laughs> no. The Wagatha Christie trial. <laughs> so I really like what these guys were trying to do around trying to break this, this network. I guess the challenge that I didn't hear addressed in the interview, which is something for them to think about, is... I understand the theory where they say, look, you know, like celebrities, footballers, whoever at the moment, they take like a paid ad, they ghost and post. I've never heard that phrase before. I thought it was amazing. It must be so yeah. true. It's a, it's an insincere post that is an ad and then they don't engage with it. Like, like absolutely to try and get more engagement is fantastic. Now, if you are Kevin De Bruyne on 450,000 pounds a week, like how much are you actually engaging your Brazilian Bruno at uh, Newcastle? Like, like, is he really going to be going, oh, like, 
Dave's being put on the feed. I'd like to comment about my performances and reassure him that I'm not going to leave. Like, what's the financial incentive or just like what's any incentive for him to do that? Which is a bit that I think they probably need to to think about addressing. How, as, as he said, though, he's worked with Fred and, you know, he said he's suffered and it's not fair. You make a mistake, you're human. I suppose there might be an element that if it's a safe platform and, and you have genuine fans, you know, you, you go watch your, your your team where there's about 150 of you and it costs less than, season tickets less than a, a ticket at Arsenal. If you get the opportunity to go up to those players and, and say, no, genuinely appreciated your efforts, then that'll matter to them because we're human. And I suppose it's probably the same for premiership footballers that if they have a good game or you, you appreciate their efforts and they actually hear that from a genuine person and it's it's honest and they're saying... Oh mate, well played, well well tried. Whatever, whatever the circumstances, that probably still has an impact. And I guess that if there was an uh, an avenue for that to happen, they might they might care because at the end of the day, they are still fans. Well, there's an opportunity to inspire young children as well. You know, like my nine year old still thinks that the footballers at Northwood are great. You know, and as they walk off the pitch, the player that we sponsor always comes over to shake our hands and you know we see whether he's got a good game or not. You know, like. Like they they yeah. think that they're superstars. And so, you know, if you can inspire like the next generation to have like more human conversations, I think that's that's a fantastic initiative. I mean, look, fair play to the guys. And they've got backing. Like that's the key. Having having a footballer and a footballer that like many people will recognise. And then having an active footballer like Fred, if he's involved again, like he's active, he plays in front of what, seventy thousand people every week. You know, it only takes a few of those footballers for people to start to engage and see if this is an initiative that's going to work. I think there's other sports where <clears throat> you don't have these multi-mega superstars that are like, you know, untouchable, yeah. right? And if you look at sports like you could use cricket, boxing is another one. I mean, it's quite funny because I'm no one, but I'm a big boxing fan. And, and, you know, I've had like Insta conversations with, you know, professional boxers where I've just like commented something or said something and then they've replied back and it's been a bit back and forth right and you know these guys are verified they they fight on you know Sky Sports multi-millionaires and whatnot but then they still like to interact with um with fans because they're not training 24 7 365 days of the year you know they do have those off times so I think with other sports mm -hmm probably that that's another avenue that they could get into um and cricket you i mean you've you've interviewed professional cricketers for yeah. your for your side hustle podcast yeah exactly as a, as a exactly and they are more than happy to to kind of you know lend a hand i think sometimes with footballs again footballers again it's you know uh, the, the the bigger they are the more kind of you know it's a stereotype right prima donna they get but you know you if, if they if they build that platform organically with other sports and then word gets around you know, friends recommending friends, these sorts of things, then I think it's it's a much better, much better way to go about it. And 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 also you have some good insightful conversations. Like sometimes I just like to drop into like um what they call like Twitter conversations or Twitter talks or something. Um, you know, some I, I, spaces. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever they are, like the forum. And 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 that's normally on the subject. There's normally fans talking on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening, fans talking about, you know, kind of the football results or something like that. So that's sometimes a good way and that's i think how they could maybe build more of an organic following yeah i'd really look forward yeah. to seeing strike there'd be a temptation to be like a platform that tries to get ronaldo and messi on there and actually the reality is is it's that one-to-one -one fan engagement which is way more exciting imagine talking to a 
youngster who's breaking into the Newcastle team. It's great to talk about the pros and the, the real famous uh, players, but you know, talk talk to the individuals and, at a human level and make those connections. I think that's that. And outside of Northwood, I also take my lad who's motor racing nuts to like the British Formula Three. Again, you know, you walk down the paddock, you can meet the drivers, you can have photos with the drivers. They're all a bunch of like 16, 17 year old kids in like their first or second like open wheel racing series. And you can talk to them about it and you talk about the race and you see the eyes and like light up of a, of a child that like it's looking at what it's like a 16 year old guy or girl. And like they think that they're heroes. And that would be really interesting to see how that scales. Look, we're nearly at the end of the show, but I just I suppose there's there's this final thought as well that um, football is tribal and polarizing. Society at the minute is tribal and polarizing, and if this could work with this particular niche, perhaps there's a lot of learning there for broader etiquette online and how we can get along and uh, and be civil to each other, which can only improve things, right? Um, look, thank you for both of your time. Thank you for joining us on our. Not 500, 500th show. Uh, Thomas, it was great to to almost see you in Web Summit, like ships passing in the night, but good to chat to you now. Uh, and Akish, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week. Cheers. Cool, thanks for having me.